Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. Um, so if you came to see um, him tonight, sorry that you're seeing me instead. <laughs> um, but if you could turn to your uh, Bibles, please, and if you could turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're struggling to find where it, li- where it lives, um, it's nestled between the book of Proverbs and the Songs of Solomon. And just if you keep that open, um, I want to ask you tonight, what is your biggest fear in life? What's your biggest fear, so you could think about it? Um, me and Sarah were talking about it um, last night. Um, that some people have fears that seem really silly. Uh, for example, Sarah is terrified of spiders. I'm the spider killer in the house, um, but she's petrified. She can't go to sleep um, if there's a spider, even if it's downstairs. <laughs> Josh, who's also here tonight, used to be scared of escalators. And I don't know why he used to be scared of escalators, but he was scared of escalators. And he got over his fear because me and Neil, his other brother-in-law, pushed him into an escalator um, full of Germans, and he didn't have a clue, and we just stepped back and watched them go up. Um, and teachers, well, they're scared this time of year because they finally have to do a bit of work. I see the daggers already, but they know I'm right. <laughs> that was awkward. <laughs> so I was doing a bit of Googling about fears and phobias. And I want to see if you can guess what the fear is. Um, uh, so we're going to have our first ever guestophobia night in Valley Halbert. Um, and the first one there is um, <laughs> erythrophobia. Uh, can anyone guess what that might mean? Any nurses or anyone who works in healthcare? It'll be a real sad shame if. Is this right, sir? Uh, fear of blushing. Or going, or going red. So you, you were right in a sense. Um, that was one of my biggest fears growing up. I blush really badly. I'm probably blushing now. Um, so it's a real thing. The next one is giliophobia. Has anyone ever heard of giliophobia or know what that might be? Liam, any, any ideas? No? Fear of jelly. <laughs> fear, fear of jelly or jelly? Fear of jelly. Actually, it's the fear of laughter, and there seems to be plenty of laughter tonight, so there's no fear there. Um, the next one is oleophobia. Don't know if I, I've said that right. Anyone know what that might be? It's quite an interesting one, actually. Any history freaks in here tonight? Um, it'll be an interesting one. Anyone? Any ideas? Andy? <laughs> no? No idea? So it's the fear of flutes. Right? <laughs> okay. And it has to do with history because flutes would have been played during time of war. And so people were obviously fear of that because the outcome of war. Um, the next one then is chromatophobia. And if you're a Balamina man, you suffer dearly with this condition. Anyone? <laughs> the fear of spending money. 
and we'll say no more about that. And that's that's the, the quiz over. Um, <laughs> but those are genuine fears for some people. But I want to talk about the fears that I'm sure we all have in common. The fear of the unknown, the fear of life, and ultimately the fear of death. Sarah and I have been slowly making our way through this book together of Ecclesiastes. And our daughter Alice was born seven months ago, and she's the biggest blessing um, of our lives to date. Is there a fear of crying? Is there... <laughs> but the flip side of that, neither of us could stop thinking about death, life, and the unknown. And it's not something that I particularly thought about before, um, but it's something that I think about daily now. It's a real, real struggle, the fear of death especially. You know, thoughts like, what happens if I lose my job? How do I provide for my family? What happens if we get sick and die? Who looks after Alice? And even if we do, I don't want anyone to look after Alice but me. The fear of the unknown in life, that things can change from good to bad so quickly in an instant. The fear of time, because we can't force it to unfold at the pace of our choosing. And we can't buy it back once it's been used up. You know, this isn't a book tonight for some light reading or for some gentle, soft encouragement, but it's one that you read for a reality check. And that's what I hope I do tonight, a reality check for us all. And these are the ideas that Sarah and I have been struggling with, as, as I just mentioned, and we're still trying to work things out on how God fits into it all. So tonight we're going to work through um, a bit of what King Solomon had to say in this book of Ecclesiastes. So let me just pray first of all calm the beating heart and ask for help. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for an opportunity to open up your word together and share um, the gospel. Lord, thank you for your son and for your Holy Spirit, the helper and sustainer. And Lord, just help us to open up our, our eyes, our ears and our minds, Lord, to receive your word and what you'll have to say. And Lord, I pray that it will be you speaking through me and not my own words. Amen. So let's read together chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. It's entitled, All is Vanity. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and round goes the wind and on its circuit the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been done is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been done already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things, yet to be among those who come after. 
the vanity of wisdom. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I implied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. Um, you can see what I mean by a real reality check. It's not light reading or encouragement at all, um, but it's the word of God. Um, and the preacher begins his sermon with vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's repeated quite a few times. Um, and whenever it's repeated a few times in, in a text, a word, um, and as a reader, this should grab our attention as this will set the theme for the rest of the passage. The word vanity comes from the Hebrew word hevel, which can be translated as vapor or smoke. And the point the preacher is trying to get across to us is that this life is like vapor or smoke. And a great illustration is, have you ever tried to light a match and put the flame out by trying to grab the smoke? You try to catch the smoke and you think you've got it, but you open your hand and it's disappeared into thin air. You can't catch it or hold on to it, no matter how hard you try. And how often do we, hold, we try to hold on to things in our lives, like death doesn't come for us? Um, we like to think that we are the ones who are in control of our lives. We have many days to enjoy. But Solomon reminds us that we're not in control at all. We try to fill our lives and put our importance and our value on things that are temporary. You know, what type of career do we want to pursue? Our reputations, maybe? Our relationships and our family? And maybe even material things is what we put utmost importance in. But Solomon says, if this is all that we chase after, and this is all that defines us, then Solomon would say that we're constantly chasing after smoke. There's nothing tangible in those things that we can bring with us on that day of judgment and into the next life, the one that is eternal. And there's a verse that you're probably all very familiar with, and it's found in James chapter 4, 14. Um, and it says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. And the reality of our life being like vapor makes us all feel uncomfortable, I'm sure. It makes me feel really uncomfortable, knowing that I have no say when or how my life ends, or the idea of leaving my loved ones behind. You know, verse 4 in, our, in the passage that we just read puts it another way. It says, a generation comes and a generation goes. And that's the truth. That's what happens. I find my, my, myself hard to wrap my head around that idea. You know, it's a truth that I constantly try to push to the back of my head. We distract ourselves by chasing after smoke, things that are temporary and things that are fading. And Solomon um, tells us that this is foolish, if this is all that we seek after in this life. Life and all the things that come with it is meaningless if God is left out probably thinking to yourself right now, this is very doom and gloom, especially for a Sunday family evening service. But the reality is that these are hard truths. Our morality purpose, and our purpose points us to a higher purpose and a deeper longing inside of us, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. So there is hope. It's not just a doom and gloom message. And Solomon was described as one of the wisest men to have ever lived, even till now. And his position of king meant that he had all the resources to, um, to taste all that this world has to offer. 
Verse 10 in chapter 2 tells us that whatever Solomon's eyes desired, he didn't keep it from himself. And I've tried to summarize all that Solomon has enjoyed in the first couple of chapters at least by trying to break up into some categories that will hopefully help you remind yourselves. The first one is head. So he acquired great wisdom and knowledge. It tells us that Solomon chased after wisdom. He asked God for wisdom and God gave it to him. We see his wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And in chapter 1, 17 and 18 of Ecclesiastes, um, Solomon says, And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this um, also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Um, Solomon is telling us, even with all the wisdom and knowledge in the world, he will die the same death as the person who is full of folly. You know, death is the great equalizer, isn't it? No matter our social status. In fact, Solomon goes on to say, much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. And I was sort of thinking about this, and Albert Einstein, actually, he had the same struggle with knowledge um, and wisdom. Um, Albert Einstein said that an average person uh, like myself would probably go to bed thinking about what car um, they're going to buy, uh, maybe what they're going to eat for breakfast, maybe what Sarah's put in the lunch bag. Um, but Albert Einstein didn't go to bed thinking about those things. Albert Einstein went to bed knowing that he gave the equation for nuclear power and that he would be partly responsible um, for the creation of um, weapons of mass destruction. That's the type of thing that was on his head, and that's the type of thing that Solomon is trying to get to. Um, through this much wisdom that the Lord had granted him, there's much sorrow um, to be gained with that. The next one, then, is all to do with heart. You'll see in, in, in the version, uh, in the chapter, it's all to do with pleasure. Um, he went full throttle, he went all in with laughter, with wine, with wives and concubines. Um, and he chased after pleasure. And you know what a king wants, a king gets. And Solomon had over 700 wives and 300 concubines. I can already put up with one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> you know, chapter 2, verses 1 says, Solomon said to himself, Go ahead, and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter is madness, and about pleasure, what does this accomplish? Solomon concludes that whilst his feelings were real, and the pleasures were enjoyable and authentic, they didn't linger or last long enough to produce something greater, or something that was lasting. Um, I'll just ask you the question, you know, how satisfying tonight was last night's dinner? Not very, because you're hungry. You know, and that's the same thing that Solomon is trying to get to. You know, it only lasts for a little while. It, doesn't leave, it still leaves a void. You're still trying to strive after it. You see, satisfaction is temporary, and it won't sustain you um, for this temporary pleasure. The next one then, and the last one, is all about hand, Solomon's hand. In chapter 2, uh, verses 4 to 11, let's just turn to it, and we'll read it together. It says, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks 
more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. Um, I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Under the sun. You know, Solomon has reached the peak of this world in terms of all that it has to offer, but found it but find that here was nothing to be gained under the sun. You know, Jim Carrey, I'm, I'm sure you probably all know, um, he has a famous quote, um, for anyone who doesn't know, he's a famous actor, um, and he says, I think that everybody should get rich and famous to do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. You know, we'll never, ever, ever get to the same peak Solomon was at, nor will we probably ever experience or pursue, pursue even a tenth of what Solomon did and had. But how often do we find ourselves chasing after the same sort of things? You know, when Solomon's looking back in his life, and upon reflection, and looking back at his life, he accomplished so much. And he did accomplish so much. He had done absolutely everything a man could do. And yet he comes to the same conclusion, after much reflection on it all, that all is vanity. And this is something that we can apply to our own lives tonight, especially. In our careers, we have maybe spent at least 14 years of our lives at school to get the job we want. Then we spend the next 40 years developing in our career to help us build our own wee kingdoms on earth. And then we might enjoy our retirement of our kingdom if we're lucky for the next 20 years. But then we die. And then someone else is going to take all your stuff that you work so hard for, whether they deserve it or not. And everything that you labored for under the sun will all be in vanity. And don't be mistaken tonight. I'm not trying to say that these things are bad things and that you shouldn't go after them. They're not bad things in and of themselves. In fact, many of these things are blessings from the Lord and that the Lord has kindly given us in his grace, whether we are his or not. But someone once said, when a good thing becomes a God thing, then that's a bad thing. So can you see the folly in making these things God in your lives? Can you see the folly in chasing after smoke? So what are we to do then? We're to chase after God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says um, that God has set eternity in the human heart. We were made for more, so much more. We were made for deeper knowledge, deeper pleasure, and deeper wealth. We were made to walk with him. Um, there's a really good book um, called Desiring God. It's by a pastor called Matt Chandler over in America. I'm not sure if you've, if you've read it or not. Um, but he has a really good, um, it's hard-hitting whenever I'm going to read it. But he's got a really good quote on this. And he says, The universe shudders in horror that we have this infinitely valuable infinitely deep, infinitely rich, infinitely wise, infinitely loving God 
And instead of pursuing him with steadfast passion and enthralled fury, instead of loving him with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength, instead of attributing to him glory and honor and praise and power and wisdom and strength, we just try to take his toys and run. It is still idolatry to want God for his benefits, but not for himself. And after reading through the first few chapters of Ecclesiastes, it seems like there's nothing but doom and gloom. In fact, if you read up until chapter 12, you'll see that the majority of it is doom and gloom. All is vanity. That's the point that Solomon's trying to get across. And you're probably asking yourselves a lot of what's right now. But what's the point of life then? What's the point of getting up to go to our jobs each morning? And what is mankind's purpose if all is vanity? I've mentioned it before, and so so has Arne, um, that we had studied the Westminster Shorter Catechism, um, and we learned this going through Sunday school um, in our old church. And it says, the very first question deals with this fact. It says, what is man's chief end? And the answer to man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose which is backed up and taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And consider yourself all the pleasures and all the blessings that God has given to you in your life right now. The things that Solomon has talked about and the things that we chase after so often. You know, how merciful is our God that he would allow us, sinful mankind, to enjoy these good things But these good things should point us time and time again back to him, not away from him. The things that Christ has given to us are to be enjoyed. And through that enjoyment, we are to bring him praise and honor and glory. And if we don't, we're chasing after the wind. A preacher once said before, a worldly man and a Christian man can enjoy an expensive steak or a bottle of cold water on a hot, dry day. Worldly man's enjoyment um, goes no further than, oh, this is a nice steak or it's a nice glass of water. But the Christian's enjoyment must go deeper, and it does. He says to himself, what kind of God, what kind of perfect being would be merciful to me, a sinner, to give me taste buds to be able to enjoy this steak and to feel the refreshment of this water on a hot day? These are the simple things that bring glory to God, and that we should give glory to God for. It's a different kind of meal, isn't it? Can you see the difference if you look closely? So as I close, let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. If you just flick across. It says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You know, Sol- Solomon has done it all. He was a king. He is and was the wisest man to walk this earth. He had uncountable riches and possessions. He had a lifetime full of experiences. But upon reflection, he found that you cannot find hope, joy, identity, purpose, or meaning in any of these things alone because they will not and do not satisfy. We have thirst that cannot be quenched, a hunger that cannot be satisfied unless we have tasted and seen 
that the Lord is good. And on that day of judgment, where we all will be judged, sinners and saved alike, we will come in one of two ways. Thinking we have a hand full of smoke, only to find out when we open it that we will have nothing at all. And so we will be condemned to an eternity of separation in a place called hell. And there we will mourn and feel the effect of chasing after smoke or chasing after vanity. Or the other way that we can come is empty-handed. Plead in the name of Jesus Christ, the perfect spotless lamb who came into this world to die for you and for me. To pay a debt he did not owe so that he could buy us, redeem us and free us from the chains of sin and death. So that as Christ raised from the, te- the, de- the dead, we too will be made alive in him. And God the Father will recognize us as sons and daughters, co-heirs of Christ. You know, these are hard realities that we've read through and hard truths. God didn't design us to chase after smoke. Instead, he designed us to chase after him. You know, this is good news. What I hope we have in him. The only one who has control over time. The only one that doesn't take, that time doesn't take by surprise. The only one who knows the will for our lives. The good, the bad and the ugly. The only one who will sustain us and keep us until that day. He is worthy of our trust. And he calls us to trust in him. You know, the Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Jesus said, when you you, you seek me, you will find me, when you seek me with your whole heart. So what is our hope in life and death? It's Christ alone, Christ alone. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this book of Ecclesiastes. Lord, thank you for this word that you give to King Solomon. Oh Lord, we know that all these things are vanity and chasing after smoke um, if we leave you out of them. Father, everything that we have comes from your hand and it should point us to give thanks and to praise to you, an almighty God that would give us, sinful man, the enjoyment of these things that you give us. Lord, they shouldn't point us away from you. And Lord, I just pray if there's anyone in here tonight who has found up until now that all they've been doing has been chasing after smoke. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't leave this hall tonight without getting right with you, without having the blood applied to them, Lord, without being set free, Lord, without you paying the fine so that they could walk free. And Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, We'll have our announcements first, Josh, if that's okay.